fascinating gadgets, gizmos, and gear-based technologies. Welcome to FGGBT. This is the show that takes your favorite fictional science and technology, and we make it a reality. We are the Brain Trust. I am the analytical mastermind, Daniel J. Glenn, with me. The physics phenom, Dr. Michael Dennett. Well, Dan, it is great to be here. It used to be I'd get nervous when you'd mention horror, but you know what? Your taste in horror is so awesome, I'm much more relaxed these days. I'm just going to go with that. <laughs> I appreciate I like to scare you with some style, I think, yeah, is exactly. really what, uh, what, what I'm trying to do, and I'm definitely doing that this week. And there's one man who knows both scary and style, and that's our enigmatic engineer, Ben Seepser. Ben, how are things going alone there up on the brain station. You know, it's been very scary here this week, Dan. I've been floating around, and it kind of feels like I'm just going in a loop over and over again. Maybe the station even feels a little smaller than I'm used to. I don't know. It's probably nothing. Uh, but, you know, maybe I just need to take a break and get a change of scenery. <laughs> I think you might need to come back down to Earth with us because, yeah, well, maybe next down week. here, it's, it's, sometimes it feels like every day is just like the last. We've already done our episode on Groundhog Day, gentlemen. <laughs> um, but this show definitely has flavors of that. And we're talking about the TV show From, which, you know, as a fan of Lost, this one really captured my attention, guys. You know, basically, this family is on a road trip uh, they see a tree down in the road right in front of them. They can't go any farther. They go backwards, and then they end up getting caught in this town, in this basically this loop where they can't get out of you know this particular location. And monsters come out at night. And there's all kinds of weird stuff, and you know, crazy social interactions. It's it's wild and crazy. And then I know this is not quite up your alley. Uh, but I'm curious what you think, because I have a really good feeling I'm able to relate to you in a certain way. Well, actually, this, you know, is the type of horror I love, except for the blood. But what I find is um, they do a pretty good job of at least the parts I've watched, because I have to admit, I haven't watched the whole series, of minimizing mm -hmm. just what I would call blood to freak you out for blood's sake versus the psychological horror. I find this uh -huh. much more right. of a psychological horror um, mm -hmm. which is close to a psychological thriller, um, sure. which is really yeah, close okay. to a psychological mystery. And those are ones I really mm -hmm. like. <laughs> so, Dad, I think you've hit kind of my sweet spot of horror. If you're going to have blood, the other weird stuff in this movie is exactly what I like. <laughs> I also think you've created a new proof, by the way. I mean, yeah. the Pythagorean would be pretty happy with yeah. what you just did there. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah, I have to say, you know, I, I will say it was... When they show the bodies, though, it, it, I think it was very gory for my taste. But <laughs> mm. but outside of those moments, the the there's this impending doom in the show that's very interesting, and the mystery of it all is very interesting. You know, hopefully we'll get further seasons so we can finally find out what the heck is going on in this show. Because so far, uh, it's it's a mystery uh, with no answer, <laughs> uh, which Jade has discovered. You will find all sorts of answers, I believe. That's what makes this different than, than Lost, I think. But, you know, I, I'm going to kind of relate to you guys in a way, uh, in a very nerdy way, in a very, f you know, fantastical way. But I think that there's some relevance. What, what the heck am I talking about here, guys? Now, you guys know I love Dungeons and Dragons. I think we've all kind of talked about that. And one of my favorite campaign settings was this place called Ravenloft. 
Now, Ravenloft worked as a pocket dimension in the ethereal plane. Uh, for those non-nerds out there, that's the where the ghosts hang out, right? <laughs> All the, the ghosts and baddies. Mm-hmm. So this world kind of had a malevolent sentience that went out into the world and pulled, you know, people and dragged them into this, against their will, dragged them kicking and stream, stream, screaming into this pocket dimension. Mm-hmm. And I think this kind of connects to From in an interesting way, because we kind of see some of those mechanics, right? We see people getting pulled from the real world into what I, I'm just going to say it's a pocket dimension of some kind. You see kind of an, an evil overtone, uh, you know, there's a lot of strange happenings. So I know this is fantastical. Uh, but then, and I'm curious, do, is there any kind of connection to what's going on in this show? Well, I think there really could be, Dan, because I I loved Ravenloft also, but we only did one campaign. I DM'd the, the castle and the vampire, and I don't remember any of the stuff you're talking about. I totally believe you. So <laughs> I think my memory was wiped by the evil malevolence as I escaped Possibly. from the pocket dimension. Um, and mm-hmm. so that directly connects to From in that way. But... Uh, you know, other than the fact that I have no memory, I, I love what you're talking about here and this idea of thinking about what is drawing the people in and what is the spatial structure from is really a lot related to this. And and Dan, I do have to say, you, you gave me one of my favorite childhood memories as a DM mm. where I had the vampire take over the um, 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 wizard in the party who then basically like went to town on them. Um, and it was quite, <laughs> quite exciting. Um, in the end, they, they did catch and kill the vampire in a very clever way. I will leave that for a later date. A little mystery okay. there. Hmm. I love that. That's great. Well, yeah. you know, and that's that's um, Count Strahan von Zarkovic in Castle Ravenloft. Uh, yes, just exactly. For those out there who wanted to test my knowledge, I know what's going on here. <laughs> but Ben, I know you love Dungeons and Dragons. I, I mean, do. You kind of stay away from the scary stuff. But um, you know, anything that you saw here? Well, I mean, absolutely. I mean, if you recall, Dan, when you uh, ran a, a Dungeons and Dragons game for me and some other folks, it was Ravenloft. And you pulled us, our, <laughs> us as ourselves, our characters into Ravenloft. And then we got cool powers and I became yep. a druid That's um, right. <laughs> because I like playing druids. And yeah. so, you know, I think, I don't know how this relates to From, but if I got, to, if I got stuck in there, I would hope I would get the druid powers, which would maybe help me out in the forest uh, to survive. <laughs> What what that is? I did not expect you to go there, Ben. But all great information that yeah. I think um, our listeners are going to love. You know, I am all over that druid power thing, Dan, because the <laughs> trees supposedly move, and you you know what oh, better character yeah. in from than a druid? I think Ben nailed it. We're done. Like we can just go home now. <laughs> or you just wild shape into a spider and hide at the top of the tree, and I don't think the monsters can get you there. <laughs> These are all great solves. Now, if we lived in the world of Ravenloft, we've got it figured out. But we're living in the world of From. And but you know, you guys mentioned a lot of things here. One of the when you get trapped in a place you don't want to be, what's your mm-hmm. natural instinct? It's to get out, right? Yes. And that's kind of what we see the characters trying to do in this world is they're trying to get out of this seemingly, you know, this this loop, this whatever wherever they are, which which is what what's kind of tricky. And you mentioned trees, guys. Trees play a very interesting role in this show because a tree kind of signifies the beginning of the loop. I don't really know what we're going to call it. If it's a loop, if it's a pocket dimension, if it's some kind of trouble. Mm-hmm. But but they see this this tree in the middle of the road is really like the gate coming down on them. And now mm-hmm. they are the rats stuck in the maze. You know, and they're trying to find the cheese or whatever. So that's where it begins. But there's also 
trees that let you travel around the the world, not out of the world, but within the world, which is kind of mm-hmm. interesting. And there's also talk of trees moving. There being some kind of active, uh, you know, the, the geographical and, and and the flora and fauna, including the trees, just seem to move around in a way where the world seems to be rewriting itself or shifting and moving. Uh, mm-hmm. So all of this stuff, this is a lot of weird stuff we've got to kind of kind of figure out here. It definitely yeah. is. I, I'm really the thing that most interests me in the trees is the gates and how they work, Dan. Um, okay. Because clearly, from the outside, you know, we we see that map in the sheriff's office, and from the outside, trees can fall right. anywhere. So the entry points are at least all over the United States, if not international. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a weird entry point, right? Because you drive up to a tree, and now you're in the world. Like, when did you enter? Like, what point on that road driving did you enter right. is one right. of the really interesting questions. Because to your point, you enter somewhere else and then you hit the doorway that doesn't let you out. Once you hit the yeah. tree, you're no longer free. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Great statement. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I wonder if it's, you know, I, I think to a different uh, property, I think of Shang-Chi when he's in this, you know, mm bamboo forest that's like constantly shifting around right and yeah, i'm just yeah. i'm just wondering yeah. like is that is it just that you end up on this road and it's just long enough that like as you once you get to the, that tree the fo- the woods have now like shifted behind you somehow mm-hmm. there was a right um somehow the road shifted as well so now you're you know you're in the loop and mm-hmm. you're stuck it also makes me wonder like if you somehow managed to be out like where the because obviously you can't get to the tree again because mm-hmm. other because you can drive in a loop once you're inside so it's like some sort of like double um like double one-way valve basically into the into the system okay and so i'm curious if if you happen to be there when somebody's getting stuck could you like find the tree again Mm-hmm. And then when the next person gets stuck, could you somehow, you know, walk your way out? Because like, <laughs> is it an opening valve or oh, is it like some sort right. of other, you know, malevolent system? <laughs> yeah, because that tree represents in some ways it either represents the opening or the closing of the access to this world. Right. And so right. I wonder if you could find that tree that's down in the road, if you could step over it and get out. Like, is yeah. that, you know. Is that? But you have to find the hole again. But this makes the the whole world, the structure of the world, is extraordinarily different mm-hmm. and weird, right? I, I think that you know, just I don't think the geography and even the the way the um, the entire world is structured seems extraordinarily different than our reality. Well, it, it's yeah. really a question to me of how the edges of that world are structured, to, to, okay. to as a starting point. Um, and we've talked before a little about some of these interesting topology things, like um, when we did vivarium and the structure of that world, which is interesting. Um, and you know, we've talked about fun things like Mobius strips, which are two dimensional but have only one side. And you, you mm-hmm. know, you got your basic sphere, sphere, donut, you know, double hole donut, and weird structures. Um, and as you move around a these donut. A donut. Donut. <laughs> a donut. I don't know. It was hard speaking that word, Dad. Um, That's all right. I've and, never heard that before. And and but in this case, it's really 
like the topology or the uh, boundary effects that matter. Like in physics, we, right, we talk yeah. a lot about whether boundaries are periodic, which means if you go out the left, you come back on the right. So a lot of like early Pac-Man. video games, yeah, a lot yeah. of early video mm-hmm. games are periodic. Asteroids, Got right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, mm-hmm. right. And then sometimes, you know, the boundary conditions just everything goes to zero at the boundary. That would not be good for these people if they found the boundary. <laughs> right. That means right. I mean dead? Yeah, I like mean, nothing. Like you you hit zero. Okay. Like the values <laughs> of everything right, become yeah, yeah. zero. So your your right. value becomes zero. I'm assuming that's dead, Dan. I don't know how that translates. Right. Right. It's not um, one. We know that. It's not one. It's just, now there yeah. are some boundary conditions where it's one at the boundary. Like in physics, these okay. are the things. And we often do things like where it's periodic in one direction, like maybe horizontal, but vertically it goes goes to zero. And this is what we torture our students with, are these boundary value problems, they're called. Um, and Ben's flashing back, because that comes up a lot in antennas. So I know yeah, that's yeah. problematic yep. here. So this is this is Ben's personal horror <laughs> film now. We've just thrown him into that. <laughs> they do try to they do try to make a radio, so. Yeah, not to mention the later, the real antennas in the show right. later on. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I think boundary conditions are the heart of this, Dan, for me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I it makes you think like, you know, I you know, it made me think about like if you somehow had a long enough rope and and you laid it out on the the road that like loops through the town somehow and never closes. If if you kept that rope in place when a newcomer comes in, would you find it like sliced uh mm. after that event? Like oh, like did the ground shift to open up the world? Or, is, or, you know, is it like teleportation or something instead? <laughs> That's interesting. Well, so there's this big moment where in the show, one of the guys who's, you know, he and his family have just shown up in in, in the town and mm-hmm. they end up in a house with this big, you know, a, a big in the hallway, it's just a big white wall. And so he uses mm-hmm. it as a whiteboard. He yes. starts writing down his notes and, and figuring things out. And, you know, here's what I saw. Here's what's weird. And he starts trying to figure it out. And this is a great start because just really quickly, I'm curious, you know, let's say the three of us are trapped in a world. Mm-hmm. What what are we doing to try to get out? What what? How are we trying to uh, to your to your point then? And how are we trying to figure out the boundary conditions? Is there a way to do that? And and, and Ben, what are the practical ways once we have some of those theories? You know, how could we figure them and experiment and try to get out of this place? Ben, and I'm curious with you first. Well, you know, Ben, ben starts. You know, one idea that you have in topology is if you like make a rope around the road, it's really interesting if you can close it or not. Because if the okay. topology is that you're in a donut, there's a hole in the middle, and that rope can't close on itself anymore because it gets stuck at the edge. So that that's okay. a useful thing if you could all kind of get on different sides of the rope and walk together and see what happens. That would take a while. You're in the woods. Could be scary. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. It really is an interesting question. How How is the world periodic? Like, is it just if you're okay. driving on the road? Or if you're sitting on the road and you walk, walk perpendicular to it, what happens? So big first question I'd want to answer. I mean, you you know how long it takes to drive around the loop. You can find the opposite mm-hmm. side, right? Okay, right. And to get there and send some sort of signals, maybe have flares or, you know, if you really want to, mm. you can walk through the woods. You really want to know if there is a direct connection between the two opposite sides of the road or mm-hmm. is there a hole in the middle? That's your core first starting point. The corollary okay. is if you send a signal away from the inside of the road, does mm-hmm. it loop around back to the town also? Because if things okay. are periodic in that direction, 
um, weird yeah. things can happen. So, and these are the sort of things you want to figure out what happens when you leave the road perpendicularly, because that's going to okay. give you the basic geometry of the boundaries. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the flare gun, right? You know, I, I think what this tells us is we should have flare guns in our in our trunks uh, <laughs> in case we ever end up in some in a from town. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think that's that's good advice for everyone. Yeah, but it, it is that interesting thing, like. If, if you can, you know, if you have enough of these things, you can walk the walk the road, launching them to see if it if it's like across, like, is it making a loop visible from the town or is it like a straight line out and a straight line in? And all of a sudden, you know, you're transported to the other side of the town. OK, um, that actually is a brilliant thing, Ben, because I'm thinking of it as a loop. <laughs> But like, yeah. if you think about the way asteroids works, if it's a box with periodic boundary conditions, there's a mm -hmm. discontinuity where you're driving on the road and you go from mm -hmm. one side of the box to the other. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and your signals mm. would show that up. And and I do think, Dan, this is the key to finding, like, there has to be, let, let's face it, it's probably not teleportation because it's not magic. So it's some sort of topology. Right. Let's let's believe yeah. it's physics and geometry. At that which point- That's a great idea there is going to be a discontinuity of some sort in the structure. And if you have mm -hmm. enough flares and you walk around, that blip will show up. And when mm -hmm. you find that blip or glitch, that's when you can start looking for your way out. I mean, for all we know, you're on a, a tiny little sphere uh, with that <laughs> mm. somehow still has enough, the normal amount of gravity. And <laughs> yeah. you know, the, wood, the woods are just obscuring the fact that the horizon falls away way too fast. <laughs> That's interesting. Well, so I mean, the the world, the shape of the world is is, is kind of cool, and, and I, I like. The, I think we'd be able to figure our way out because we we'd mm -hmm. have to get out pretty quickly, because uh, as we've seen in the show, you know, nightfall. I'm sure we wouldn't figure it out by the time we got there until night fell, mm -hmm. uh, because once you know, once the moon comes up and it gets dark, monsters come out of the trees, uh, out of the forest. And it's pretty terrifying. They found this really interesting way to keep the monsters at bay with these stones with inscriptions on them. This mm -hmm. feels like some kind of magic, but I don't think that it is. And the goal is to keep these creatures, which look normal on the outside. They look like other human beings. I mean, they're a little weird. They smile a lot and they're super <laughs> creepy. Uh, but other than that, they couldn't, you can't tell them from another human being. Well, there's one that's especially creepy. It looks like Joker without the the makeup, but <laughs> yes, yeah. But yes. beyond that, yeah, they they look pretty normal. But one thing we see is that the talismans seem to be similar to the drawings they themselves make um, mm. these monsters. So you know, I I I you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal uh, Dr. Denon's bit here. You know, it, it kind of seems almost biblical to me, where you <laughs> oh, know, wow. it's something like the angel of death, you know, marking your doors. Yeah. And if you mark your door with the talisman, you're telling these creatures you're like one of them or something along those lines. Oh, like if you're putting on zombie juice to make the zombies think you're one of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so it's a, it's a camouflage device more than magic. I don't know about camouflage. I think it's just saying he, here lie other monsters. Although they're still asking to come in, so maybe not. I don't know. Well, I, I do like the <laughs> basic through. principle, Ben. I, I like the basic principle. Um, it does rely yeah. on the monsters being a bit dumb, um, but that's okay. Um, that's many fine. monsters are. Um, that's why the mm -hmm. zombies try and eat more brains. We know that, right? Yeah, to make right, themselves right, more yeah. intelligent. Um, I actually went a totally, I went a, a hardcore physics route here, um, gentlemen, and which is, mm -hmm. you know, we know the electricity is weird. 
And mm-hmm. I think these are um, con- electromagnetic conduits, and they basically hmm. create sort of a circuit around the house. And that's why you need a continuous surface. If I open mm. a window or open a door, I break the circuit. Um, and, and it's sort of like it's sort of like those pet fences you have now, right? That are wireless, mm. right? right? Like yeah. you know, mm. you you just need a few, you know, whatever. Um, antenna. No one been anything of it and re- relies on antenna, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> right. And, and your dog can't get out. And that may connect to these drawings, Ben. Right? They may be, you know, afraid of these things because they know they create this sort of pain, um, like like these collars yeah. and radio fences. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's interesting. I mean, is that how they're kept inside during the day? Right? Because like we see these catacombs that they're allegedly in. Mm-hmm. During the day, yeah, I, right. <laughs> well, because we find that what's kind of interesting is we find, you know, or, or the um, uh, the main character whose name escapes me right now, his real name I believe is Harold, uh, but a uh, Boyd, Boyd is his name. So he goes into the forest and finds a stack, you know, of these these stones, mm-hmm. which makes me feel like the monsters may have gone and collected them either for their mm. own use or to stop so allowing them to enter into these houses to to stop that circuit like there's some kind of yeah. know, point to collecting them yeah. all or or perhaps that's where the creator of this place would hide at mm. night to uh protect himself from his, pr- protect themselves from their own creation oh yeah, like a safety fortress. <laughs> yeah. Well, because we see, you know, the, it's kind of interesting because in the one of the first episodes, we do see one of these creatures coming into a house. They ask mm-hmm. to come in, very vampire-esque, you know, it's a little mm-hmm. twilight element to this. So you have, the, you know, they ask to come in and this little girl seeing her grandmother, you know, floating on the second mm-hmm. story, that didn't raise <laughs> alarm bells. But nonetheless, the door opens up and then the monster comes in. And we see that, uh, you know, in a, in a later episode as well. And, you know, is it... You know, this kind of answers that question, then, and because we see them ask, and then when they're allowed, it's not necessarily verbally verbally consenting to them coming in. The door just opens, and then they mm-hmm. come in and wreak havoc. And I think you might be right. There's some breaking of the seal, you know, that, that circuit being broken. Whatever's keeping them at bay has now been removed, and that allows them to come in, which means that the, everyone who's using one of these stones is in a much more precarious situation than even they believe. No, I think yeah. that's right. And I, it also goes to another point. This is clearly our episode for lessons, Dan. Yes. Um, and Ben already shared that you need to have flares. Um, the example you gave shows why it's so important to raise your children on fantasy novels, science fiction, and as much as I hate them, horror films, because it is important survival training. Any child that had been raised appropriately would not have opened the window for a floating grandma on the second floor, right? right? This clearly shows bad parenting from the beginning. Yeah, Um, that's basic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, I don't think she was floating. I think she was like standing on the the covered porch roof. But still, still, it's safety warnings all over the place, Why is your grandma on top of the covered porch? Yeah, why is she on the second floor? And then the kid even says, you don't look like my grandma, or you don't sound like my grandma. Like, what is wrong with this? And the mom, like, doesn't run faster? Like, come on. Uh, (laughs) There's a lot of questions that need to be answered And why wasn't the window nailed shut? Like... 
They hey, say I, I, nail your windows shut. Like, did the kid have a crowbar and we didn't see her uh, <laughs> undo all the nails really quick? Like, what's going on here? What's going on? Well, yeah, I mean, the first clue here, it, no matter, you look, you know I don't like kids. Uh, I think they're all yeah. dumb and useless and they're contributing to the overpopulation of the earth. Nonetheless, mm -hmm. uh, we still have to, if we are going to have kids, let's teach them properly. And a grandmother on the second floor, whether floating or simply standing, uh, that's weird, unusual. That should be reported uh, immediately. Well, Dan, so what can help is if you use FGGG merch because, oh. right, because then you got a training mechanism for your kids. You know, like you start with the drinking cups, they learn some cool phrases, that, you know, right. and then they build yep. up through the other merchandise. And it's really life lessons. It's not just a mug. It's a training vehicle and life lessons for surviving the world. Because that's what this show is about. You know, going back, if they've missed it, they should watch the classic episode Dan, where you learn how to use toilet water appropriately. <laughs> right. That was a lesson. I was so glad to learn that. And I, I could have accidentally, you know, taken a sip of toilet water out of an FGGBT mug. And that would have been horrific for me, yeah. for sure. Well, I mean, speaking of water, you know, I don't think the monsters carry FGGBT water bottles either. But what's important about them is, one, I don't think they're nearly stylish to have their own. But, you know, they also can't be harmed by bullets. But, you know, maybe, maybe if you uh, hit a monster over the head with this delightful stainless steel water bottle, maybe that would, in fact, do some damage. Oh, I think it would. I think it would, Ben. I think so. I mean, you know, whether they're for drinking and for peaceful means or for weapon, you can weaponize them uh, mm -hmm. like all things. But one thing you shouldn't weaponize is a nice shirt. You know, uh, like this one, it says biology's nature's technology. This can be an armor, but you never want to use it to strangle a monster. Uh, I think that that's probably, I think the water, the water uh, mug uh, is probably a much better option. Uh, but let's say you don't have any of that stuff, right? Let's say you want mm -hmm. to tase or, or, or electrocute <laughs> some of these monsters. How are you sure. going to do that in this strange, wacky world where electricity doesn't seem to flow through wires? <laughs> Outlets are, are super crazily form. It's like, it's like everyone's in Europe over there. They got like vertical and horizontal plugs. Uh, it, it's bananas. Uh, what, what's going on with electricity, with, with magnetism, with radio waves? It's a weird world. You know, the, the, the topography is not the only problem here, Denon. No, I agree. The only thing I can think of here, Dan, and, and, and this actually is very relevant because it happened to me last night. I tend to use a wireless <laughs> charger for my phone. Um, mm. And... Nine times out of ten, it charges fine. I suspect my cats, like, knock it around. Um, and so mm. there's some mornings I wake up and it's not charged. Um, you know, and this was one of those. But the, They aren't the, doing the, that by accident either, Denon. That's on purpose. No, I know it's on purpose. Yeah. And so, you know, th the reason I bring this up is I feel like this is a world of wireless generation, right? Everything is induction-based, right? We are very, very used to everything being wire-based, where you plug things in and they're connected. Um, but I was really trying to think about, like, could you actually have done a wire-free infrastructure where everything is induction-based? So instead of plugging hmm. things in, the electricity in every object you build is generated through induction. And that's why I went kind of with the the, the stone um, things working the way they did through some sort of induction mm -hmm. mechanism. And yep. if everything's wireless-based, I do have a feeling all of those generators and, and extra um, wireless signals could be messing mm -hmm. with your radios then at ground level. Right? It's mm -hmm. a different kind of problem you have in that space. So 
I'm not as afraid of antennas as Ben is. I am a bit mm-hmm. mystified by them. Electricity and magnetism is the subject in grad school I chose to ignore. Um, and I've never <laughs> taught it since I um, have been a professor. Wow. But that's where I'm going, Dan. I think it's a basic wireless technology and system. And they put fake wires in just to fool the people because they, they want them to be confused. Got yeah, it. well, e and it was definitely the uh, the electrical engineering part that I uh, <laughs> minimized as much as possible. Uh, I, I like what you're saying here. You know, it, it kind of reminds me of, you know, like Tesla's dream of free wireless electricity and all yep. that and how it, it's a great idea in theory. But in reality, you like ionize the atmosphere and make it impossible to have any wireless communication whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> and, and also horses uh, feel get shocked uh, from their horseshoes. So lots of problems with it. Uh, Very specific. But so, you know, it's this interesting theory. You know, the other thing I was thinking is, you know, these wires are potentially also wave. Instead of it being like a traditional copper conductor, maybe mm. there's some waveguide stuff going on. Okay. Uh, a waveguide is is a type of is a, is a way to control the flow of electromagnetic energy through kind of basically a a tube rather than just a a wire wires actually kind of act like waveguides but you can do fancier things with like actual like pipes yeah copper pipes and so maybe these wires instead of being normal wires they're you know maybe there's some like secret metallic thread in them that's letting them act as waveguides and you know and just to take that abstract engineering waveguide description to a different level um we've all played with the fun little toys you know like at amusement parks where you turn on a light and the fiber mm-hmm. optics make the light come out the end um, yeah, instead right. of through thing that that's the waveguide ben's talking about and i'm all on board yeah. on that right that we yeah. we combine my idea of everything sort of induction based with the right, waveguide yeah. idea to transmit things so they're not all over the air and making your horses shock themselves with their horseshoes <laughs> though i didn't yeah. see any horses there are probably horses somewhere and i missed them i just saw like goats and pigs well, and there's stuff. goats and cows you know yeah. close enough close um, enough so, we'll put shoes on them too. But base, you know, some sort of basic technology of these levels combining these things, Dan, is really, I think, the physics and engineering of where we are in getting their electricity here. Well, I like that you brought up the fiber optics because that's, that's actually, in some ways, even a, a better idea because you can directly transfer power with the fiber optic using like photodiodes and things like that. Now, these two engineers in the show, right, surely they say. would have <laughs> right, such yeah. a thing. But, you yeah. know, maybe they didn't fully deconstruct the lamps. I don't know. <laughs> right. I was going to say, there were two engineers that were, I mean, one was a roller coaster engineer, which is more like the fun type. Uh, but the other guy was, you know, he was a pretty serious electrical engineer. Yeah, well, well, he was a computer. He was computer. a computer scientist. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, you yeah. know, I will say uh, a roller coaster engineer is actually one of the most serious engineers is of it? them okay. all. I apologize because it, because it's public safety. Yeah, it's right. public safety engineering. It's actually, you know, when when you think about what I do uh, or what I did, like with uh, you know rockets, you know, those only launch you know once every couple of days, right? At, mm-hmm. at best, mm-hmm. um, it, it you know that. But a roller coaster runs hundreds of times a day, uh, right. hundreds okay. of times a day. And so if, if there's anything that can possibly go wrong on a roller coaster, it will go wrong eventually because <laughs> of how much it's used. Yeah. So it's, it's actually a much scarier type of engineering. And also you have uh, 
not you have people who are not expecting to be on a dangerous situation fair enough <laughs> on the but thing you, but you don't have a lot of people working at disneyland who are doing cutting it i mean it's a small world hasn't been updated in about 60 years so <laughs> you know induction based sure. electrical transfer is probably not you know although that song really gets stuck in your head maybe not on small world but like the newest uh, star wars rides use some very fancy tech do they for those uh for those um you know, cars that drive around without tracks and things like that. It's it's some fancy stuff. Well, I'd like yeah. to take this moment to apologize for all the roller coaster engineers that I've offended. Uh, I, luckily, Ben has educated me uh, and I will never make that mistake again uh, because you don't want to make a mistake like that. You know, one mistake in this world and that's the end of you. You know, we talked about trees and there's one moment where there seems to be some kind of interconnected system network of trees mm-hmm. that have a big hole in them. You walk in one tree and you end up somewhere else. It seems mm-hmm. to be random. It's very similar to the warp pipes in Super Mario Brothers, except those you typically knew where what world you were going to. But we see mm-hmm. one particular moment where Boyd and this girl named Sarah walk into a, a tree. They walk into the same tree seconds apart and end up in two entirely different places. So, you know, one little mistake, one miscalculation, and you're doomed. You're stuck in a well. Well, I was wondering about that, having watched it, Dan, and, and you know, the first explanation when um, the, the old creepy guy with the lunchbox, whose name I can't remember, throws Victor. a rock in. Victor, <laughs> Victor, yeah. Victor, thank you. Yeah. And, and explains that, you know, the rock can go anywhere and, and varies. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to listen to that carefully. I couldn't quite tell if the same rock would end up in different places. And the reason I think mm. that's important is okay. I wonder if this is a mass-triggered thing, right? That, like, if if when you go mm. into it, right, mm-hmm. the amount of mass you have, because, and bear with me, by general relativity, we know warping space and time and gravity is actually what mass does, and the two are connected. Um, right. And if this whole world is about space being warped and twisted and bent into interesting shapes mm-hmm. you could imagine that what happens is you go into this it is an incredibly sensitive mass detector that's theory a okay. theory b okay. is the trees are moving <laughs> in the wind and when yeah. you jump in you know the trees pointed somewhere else because the wind is blown um yeah. so I, that's basically the two things i've got there dan <laughs> those, those are yeah. opposite ends of the specificity <laughs> spectrum Oh, they are. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, there's also the third option in that it's, you know, this is an engineered world. um, And, you know, there's just a, you know, a a random number generator that decides where you end up when you go in. Oh, wow. Option option C. Option D is the engineer sitting there at a switchboard pushing a button, sending you somewhere on purpose. Right. I mean, I mean, if this is like some sort of horror Truman show, you know, they might just be sending you wherever is most dramatically interesting. (laughs) And option E is they're all hamsters and squirrels that are really running the electronics for all of this. Yeah. Uh, which is my which is my, my, my personal favorite. Uh, this is I mean, this is a weird world. We can at least admit this is a very strange yes. system. Um, there seem to be logical ways to tie it all together. But nonetheless, even with the best, I mean, Denon, you got this this huge spectrum of well, weird possibilities. That's where we are with this. It is, though. I do like one thing I like about when you, when you mentioned consistency, Dan, one thing I like about the tree teleporters, um, which at first I was worried I wouldn't like at all is the connection between that and the trees that block you down in the road, right? Mm-hmm. And right. so early on, we talked about mapping out the road and the boundary conditions and all of that. 
One thing that would be really interesting is if this was a world with discrete boundaries, right? We've been talking about and thinking about worlds having a continuous boundary, a sphere, mm -hmm. a donut, and so on. But you could imagine an odd shape where the, the boundaries are not continuous. We think of continu everything being continuous in space, mm -hmm. that every tree is a boundary point, or at least relevant trees. Maybe it's not all trees, okay. maybe it's a subset mm -hmm. of trees, right? And so the trees falling on the road represent that discrete boundary where you went in, and the trees that are teleporting are sort of internal boundary points in a weird way. Like, they're, okay. they're boundaries, and that's why you can move from one point to another, because these are those discontinuities I mentioned. So it Got just it. makes for a very, very weird structure. Um, and the boundaries maybe flop around in space, so when you go into the tree, they're not always connected in the same way. Yeah, I mean, talking about this a little, a little more makes me just wonder, like, does no one have a compass in this world? <laughs> like, what would happen? I mean, <laughs> what would ha I mean, I I'm curious, like, is a compass just spinning randomly? Is it always you only have what you bring in? That's the other thing yeah. we, we didn't really mention is that when you're yeah. trapped, you, you have what's in the car. Right. I mean, I think that the first family comes in with, you know, Winnebago. I'm sure that there might yeah. be a compass built into this. It looks like a pretty old Winnebago. Uh, but <laughs> then you have a bus coming in. You know, some people have phones, but I don't think they're, you know, they're not exactly working, you know, the right way. There's, a, you know, electromagnetism's all, you know, getting screwed up. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's what's interesting about because there are. Well, one, I would expect somebody to have a compass, but maybe because this is a chosen environment, it yeah. maybe just chooses pe no, pe cars that don't have compasses in them. I <laughs> think that's exactly what it is. They get to decide. They definitely get to decide. Well, the one thing I want to quickly mention before we close up here is, you know, you mentioned Victor Denon. And the, one of the cool things that he does is he maps out where the trees are and knows mm -hmm. when they move you know, inches, feet, it, it, the distance is, you know, he's using crayons and, you know, footsteps. <laughs> so accuracy is not, I, I don't think it's where right. we would want, like it to be. Uh, but, but it's still interesting that he's able to notice these changes and that they're happening. Things are moving. Mm -hmm, right. And this tells you a lot about, you know, the world itself. Well, that makes me really wonder about my fluctuating boundary theory, right? Particularly mm -hmm. since it's the trees that are moving, mm -hmm. right? Um, so, so, you know, sort of think of a, it's hard to think about what, what it might be, but maybe think of like a spiky ball, right? Like a okay. ball with spikes mm -hmm. on it. And the main boundary issues are the spikes. Like those are the key things that are going to be the boundary of your world. But, but there's a fluidness to this where the spikes kind of can shift around and move, sometimes fall over in front of a road, making a weird boundary. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. that's why he's mapping the trees. And that's why the teleport trees connect differently at different times. Um, and so there could be a little bit of a and this could be a design element, Ben, or it could just be a natural part of the world. I, I mean, the thing is, though, he has rope like he could he could measure it and mark the rope, uh, you know. Yeah, there, or, there goes the engineer getting more precise, solving that, building us yeah. tools. I love it's it. A little, it's a little I, more precise. I mean, yeah, like the. They have, I mean, hell, heck, they have a, they have, they have a laundry lines for drying their laundry. They could yeah. you know, <laughs> use some of that uh, clothesline to uh, get some really precise measure or heck, tie the tree to the house and see what happens. <laughs> I do love that you've managed to use rope and just a long piece of whatever as kind of like a Swiss army knife to solve all of your engineering mathematical problems. That's really cool. I mean, you can kind you of know, do ev oh, so much with, with a piece of rope here. Yeah, you know, if you think the trees are moving, 
uh, put put objects between things and the trees to see if if they are in fact moving. Don't try to measure it with footsteps. That's well, I, true. I will just say I'm <laughs> glad Ben brought up rope and Dan. That connects to the earlier part of the show because this is obviously a topological loop and we're starting over. Um, right. Because you mentioned D and D, and we all know the only relevant thing you ever use in your backpack is your rope. Um, mm. Because, of course, yes. everybody has dark vision, so why would you ever use a torch? <laughs> you got yep. to have rope. You know, uh, you got to have rope. Rope is for everything. You don't yeah. want to omit rope in your fantasy backpack, uh, just like you don't yeah. want to admit incredible things on this show. Uh, so we've reached our errors, additions, and omissions section, things we wanted to talk about, but we didn't quite get to. Denon, I'm sure that there's something about From that we didn't quite mention you wanted to talk about. Well, I just love the fact that they've developed this system of, okay, we're going to watch these people drive around in circles for a while. It's kind of like the entertainment because there's no movies or TV. And then at some mm-hmm. point, we're going to put spikes in the road and blow their tires out because, like, we're just, we get tired. I don't know. Like, like how many laps do you give weird. the average person before you blow out their tires? Like, what, yeah. what's the rule here? <laughs> Yeah. And why are they blowing out the tires? You'd think they just like set up a barrier or something. <laughs> it's a little extreme. I'm with you. Yeah. It's a little extreme. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. dangerous. Yeah, yeah. So that, that, that was that was one of my main ones. And and again, I just want to thank you, Dan, for bringing up Ravenloft. It's it's fun memories of a childhood. I promised, you know, sharing the vampire story. Basically, the vampire turned to gas, was escaping out the castle, and one of my the characters said, I leap after it and, and catch it in this vial I have. Um, I set an insane this was back remember before like current D&D so like it was you know advanced D&D with percentages I set uh-huh. an insane roll let them roll they successfully captured the vampire I did point out that their character <laughs> could not fly and had no skills and was in midair over the bottom of the castle the character right. fell they had to roll again for the vial not to break the vial did not break but the character was mush <laughs> but that's a great ending I mean, because the vampire is captured. That's a that's a soft great landing for the vial. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true, and that's all that they needed to do because the Strahd von Zarkovic is much more evil, uh, and and it's more important you capture him uh, than they survive. That is the true essence of Ravenloft, then, and you captured yep. it. Uh, what about you, Ben? Anything we missed you wanted to talk about? Well, you know, speaking of danger and hazards, uh, you know, when they're setting up all these like uh, lamp cords and. <laughs> car wire harnesses to power their antenna i'm just thinking is, is i was thinking they're never going to send a signal they're just going to burn the house down uh, <laughs> yeah that, yeah they almost like, did that was pretty close yeah i mean i'm just i'm just watching this and i'm like this is dumber than a dried out christmas tree with uh, frayed <laughs> christmas lights <laughs> <laughs> yep uh that's true we saw what happened in christmas vacation so uh bad things bad things do happen you know one of the things that i really enjoyed about this I, victor kind of grew on me he's a really cool character and i think of the trauma as you know being being there at 10 years old and having to live through all these deaths and having to hide for you know 40 plus years <laughs> and then having drawings and he's still you know mapping out the world with crayons <laughs> i mean that's pretty mm-hmm. impressive you know uh so i gotta give him credit for that he's he's you know that's a really oh, yeah. cool system for sure uh but of course you know if we've missed anything else let us know. You know, we can you can find us on social media. The show is at F Triple G B T Pod on Twitter, at F Triple G B T on Facebook, website F Triple G B T dot com. And if you want to send us a question, questions at F Triple G B T dot com. But you can get in touch with us individually. Denon, where can people find you? 
Well, they can reach me at almost every major social media. You just flip my name. That's at Den and Michael. Um, but if you're going for Facebook, you got to stick in the prof at Prof Den and Michael. Ben, where can people find you? You can find me on all the major social media networks at B Seepser. How do you spell that? Spell that B S I E P S E R. And I can be found on Twitter at Daniel J. Glenn, on Instagram at The Daniel J. Glenn, and on Facebook at Analytical Mastermind. And check out my website, DanielJGlenn.com, if you want to find out more. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And if you enjoyed this video, hit the like button, subscribe, and ring that bell so you never miss an episode. And leave us a comment telling us what gadget would you want to bring in to this world to try to figure your way out? Well, we would definitely need to. We got to get out of the. We we figured some things out, but who doesn't love more gadgets, right? Uh, and I think that that's important because you have to remember we've given you lots of information that can be misused by those hell bent on world domination. So you want to take this information and do good with it. Remember, you always want to be a superhero, never a supervillain. So until next time, thank you for listening. Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies is a Glencoe production and is produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and Paul Springers with music and sound design written and performed by Paul Springers. Now, of course, if you're listening to this episode and you've gotten this far, you're going to want to subscribe. Well, how do you do that? We're on all the major podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. But if you're not already subscribed to those platforms, I made it easy for you. Go to our website, ftriplegbt.com. You'll find links to those subscribe buttons and also links to our social media, both for the show and for our individual experts, the members of the Brain Trust. That's all right there ftriplegbt.com. And before you leave, don't forget to check out our other episodes. You can find the link at the top of the page for everything we've got, and you'll notice that we've got both a YouTube version and an audio-only version, depending on what you like. We got it for you, and if you do like those videos, you can go ahead and subscribe to those as well. We're on youtube.com backslash Daniel J. Glenn. And once again, if you like this show, you're going to like everything that I do. Go to danieljglenn.com to find out more. Thank you for listening.